and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith, and thank you for listening. David is not here. He is covering TCM Fest, so make sure to go to BattleshipPretension.com and check out uh, his coverage. Uh, he should be back here next week to talk about the movies that he watched. Uh, in the meantime, I do have a couple of guests, and this is very exciting uh, for me. Uh, I enjoy watching uh YouTube uh, film discussion, and uh, I happened upon the channel The Oscar Expert somewhat recently, like in the last couple of months, and I enjoyed it tremendously. Uh, and so I do have uh, Cole and Justin here, uh, The Oscar Expert and Brother Bro. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. Okay. Well, good evening. Thank you so much for being here. This is very exciting for, for me uh, because it's always... It's always fun to talk to people who are uh, who re who take the Oscars fairly seriously, and I will just go ahead and say your enthusiasm level about the Oscars is is higher than any amount of enthusiasm I could have for maybe anything in my life, uh, and I do. Uh, it's it's fun to see that uh, and and remember uh, when I was like younger and uh could muster up any kind of uh, excitement for something so um so yeah uh, just to let everyone know uh if you go to the oscar expert uh youtube channel you will find uh you will find their stuff but uh, in the meantime uh you guys doing all right how's everything going uh things are going well we okay. actually are just moved closer to the city post pandemic thing so in any future don't videos say, don't say post pandemic yet cole well, post, say it, I mean, we wouldn't have done it during the, the pandemic. Don't, like say, the don't say it yet. Don't All say right, it fine. yet. Don't jinx it. Do not jinx it. Still wearing a mask, but yeah. We're, either, any any future videos posted from here on out will be in a new spot is basically the... Yeah, we got to get a new set going. Yeah, so that's exciting. Right. And we got uh, new 2022 Oscar predictions coming out. So might we're be out by the time hyped, this video's... hyped about it. I'm almost more hyped to put out like the new list of movies than I am to predict or than I was a month ago to predict the Oscars. Cause it's just, we're just on to, on to new things. 50 or so new films that we're like eyeing <laughs> and many more that we don't even know exist. Every time, because, yeah, like on on our website and podcast, we do a lot of end of the year stuff and it tends to be linked with just like the Oscars. That's sort of the last uh, end of year stuff, the uh, end of year episode that we do. And uh, afterwards, it's it's so freeing. It feels like, oh, finally, I can move on to the year we're actually in, uh, which is very exciting. Even just watching stuff. Yeah, this year took a while. I mean, don't get me wrong. Don't yeah. me wrong I still watch Mortal Kombat and hated almost every second of it but uh but yeah but i couldn't talk about it and now i can which is exciting that's the thing yeah i mean oscar season usually is like the reason for this for kind of a, a drought that happens in january february and march where you don't really get as many great movies i mean there are some that are really rare and come out but um, you know i guess it, it, i don't think it's hit as hard this year because people are so excited about blockbusters right now and they're really like loving to talk about them. And there's a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of really positive vibes towards like the Godzilla and Kongs and the Mortal Kombat. Yeah. It's excited to have that experience again. So it almost, I don't know, in a way it doesn't feel like the off season is that much of a drought. Um, but I actually haven't been, I haven't, I haven't been going to any, see any blockbusters recently. Yeah, I'm, I'm too, still behind. I still have the two machines. <laughs> moving my house but yeah it's really exciting though like, like and, and it's just funny how this whole cycle of what comes out revolves around i guess half of it's like the box office right but if you like indie films a lot of it's oscar season 
you have to wait till later in the year to get the next good batch of yeah. stuff. So, yeah, it's, uh, so, you know, I'm, I, for the most part, I try to stay kind of just sort of in the moment. I, I try not to think too much about like what could be nominated in the future, except that my, uh, my friends and I, including David, the, the co-host for this show, uh, for the last eight years, we do our, our awards draft. Cause I got tired of hearing my friends talk about a football draft. And I thought like, okay, well, how, how can we make that into a movie thing? And then we finally locked, uh, locked into a format, which is rather than pick a specific movie, you break it down into categories and then you have your team uh, based on who, you know, different categories and stuff. And then you follow critics awards, guild awards, uh, golden globes, indie spirit, all that stuff with the Oscars acting as a sort of super bowl. And we, we do our draft pretty early, early enough that none of us have really seen any of the, uh, with, with a couple of exceptions, none of us have really seen any of the movies. And so usually about September, like, like August, September is when I start really thinking about like who could possibly win anything. Uh, and before that I I'm usually blissfully ignorant or just maybe probably just miserably ignorant, uh, of, of the movies that are, that are coming out in their Oscar chances. What, uh, in your opinion, uh, you know, it's 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 April uh, in about eleven months. It's going to be uh, time for the Oscars. What's going to win? What's what's going to win Best Picture? That's what I want to know. I see the movie that I usually put at number one at this time of year is not the one I actually think is going to win. It's just like the one I think is most likely to be nominated. Sure. So right now, Nightmare Alley's up there, but I don't actually expect that like Del Toro is going to get another Best Picture win. I'm just. Right more sure that it'll be nominated than other things what could win is a really it's a good question it, it's almost I've, i don't think i've ever predicted a winner like a year out yeah I mean, that's just yeah it's hard because i'm putting all of like the safest and and kind of baitiest and most like stacked films in terms of talent and you know directors with oscars history at the top of the list but i don't think it's always those that win because i think the kind of fresher, more exciting stuff wins or stuff that kind of like comes out of nowhere and does something new um, tends to do pretty well when it comes to winning best picture. Um, so those are actually harder to predict because oftentimes they'll come out during the festival circuit, like Toronto Film Festival. It'll be a film that premieres there and then it, it builds its steam from that point, but they don't necessarily have this high profile before going to Toronto. So I kind of agree with you. Like once September comes around, it's easier to predict because you know, what's trying to yeah. um, pine for those festival awards. And then you can kind of pick out, like, I, I feel like you have almost like a one in two chance that your best picture winner is going to come from Toronto. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I hope that I hope Paul Thomas Anderson's in the, in the win for, for something. I hope it's either director or screenplay. I mean, he's got to be one of the most overdue people. Yeah, but if you had to pick a movie to win, that's going to win. Like, what would you do? Because I, because I, I know we read our entire list, and I just, I can't think of one that I'm like, that's going to be a winner. Like, I really, there's no way to tell what wins that early on. I mean, Tyler, have you even thought about this at all? Oh, good lord, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, outside of uh, ask, thinking of uh, stuff to ask you guys. Um, and yeah, it's it's one of those things where I feel like. You know, years ago, when the Oscars tended to overlap a little bit more with sort of big budget mainstream taste, like, yeah, like, I mean, I, I know that you guys were fairly young, but like, 
Titanic was was pretty easy to call uh, early in the year. Um, same with yeah. stuff like uh, like Lord of the Rings: Return of the King, because especially because that was one where it's like, oh, it's weird that like, I mean, it's the director, but also it's it's this franchise's turn, you know. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like in the last few years, it's gotten a little bit more difficult. Uh, certainly. I'm sorry. To, I, I will stop talking about the draft because God knows the uh, the my listeners have heard enough about it. But um, but yeah, the I remember my friend. I it's fun. it's it's a lot of fun, especially when you win as often as I do. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I, I won a cool hundred and twenty dollars this year, and uh, it went immediately to buy like diapers or whatever. But um, but yeah, a few years ago, I remember my friend and I were driving to the draft, and we were just. <laughs> We were we were talking, but being very cagey because we didn't want to give each other. We didn't want to give away our individual strategies, but it was it was going to be for the year two, uh, 2017 and driving to the draft like Dunkirk was looking like the somewhat obvious choice. Certainly nobody expected Shape of Water to be the juggernaut yeah. that it was. Uh, and then, of course, granted, this last year is just a weird year in general, but it's just Nomadland being the brave hearts of, uh, of that year is a very, a very unusual uh, occurrence. And I feel like increasingly uh, the Oscars are, are, well, hang on. I don't think the, uh, I wrote an article about this for some website years ago about, uh, there are a lot of people that say the Oscars are out of touch. I don't actually think that's true. I think the Oscars are doing what they've always done. And I think that increasingly the movie going public it's not that they're out of touch they've just pulled away from what the oscars do so but that's my own opinion so yeah. it's, so but it, yeah, it does make it increasingly topic because that's oh, fine i i read a lot of comment sections of like what people think about the oscars and they're always very negative um but i still like to kind of know what people are thinking um and a lot of people will go like yeah the oscars like what's no Land, like i don't know what that is they gave it to like a foreign film last year i don't know what that is like moonlight with some indie shit that like it was you know slow paced so some people do think that the oscars are kind of going out of touch and they're definitely awarding lower budget independent films more often um but i think that's also just a consequence of the landscape of like the type of movies that um you know critics and movie buffs are into is being separated i think you kind of said that from like what the what the public is interested in, whereas like in the '90s, like you think about 1994. I mean, Shawshank Redemption, Forrest Gump, uh, Pulp Fiction, like those movies. Yeah. You don't get Oscar contenders like well, that. Pulp Fiction is really. pretty. Pulp Fiction was low budget. It was a sensation though. I'm I'm, I'm saying like, yeah. like these movies made a lot they're, of money. They're more sensational, and they were like that. you know dramas with like prestige directors. You don't get movies like that as much anymore and you i mean you kind of do i mean like joker was nominated or whatever and that was like you don't really get as many movie. like the godfathers but i, I yeah. do agree with um with the point that dunkirk came out as a front runner right and that was a pretty popular movie in a way that would have been more of like a traditional best picture winner i also think it happened with once upon a time in hollywood like that came out pretty early and it was like the front runner and it also kind of happened with a star is born like those are kind of movies that have like a best picture aura but it's different today because movies like that, they front run for a while and then they get pulled down by something that is more low budget or a little more indie, which is, so I, I do think a there's a little exciting. bit of a, a, a little bit of a deviation from like what they would have done. 
yeah i, I mean if you way. look i mean you if you In look at past. just the lineup of like what what the last decade has been like it's been like yeah. a, like a little eclectic like birdman shape of water i mean yeah i think kind of after weird. 12 years really of slave they went off the rails because because 12 years of slave way. argo king speech and the artists were pretty like yeah, yeah. oscar baby kind of bridging out like forrest gump braveheart gladiator yeah I mean, uh, I can't really think about the 2000s with no one in it. I, I'm like, on like, like Slumdog Millionaire yeah. and the Hurt Locker. Like, those yeah. are pretty, like, yeah, I think the last, like, six years or so is is pretty strange. Like, but in, in, in a way that I like, like, Nomadland, Parasite, Moonlight. I mean, but I, yeah. think, it, these I think the are, overall point stands that it's, it's, these are movies that not everybody sees. And when the, the best picture is announced, people go, huh? What was that? But I like that. I feel like people, I think the Oscars can be looked at as like recommending movies you haven't seen. It's weird when people complain that they haven't seen the movies. It's like, so you should be excited. There are some movies that you haven't seen that you might want to check Whatever. out. Whatever. It's like Bill Whatever happened to like yeah. movies? Whatever happened to that those days? Yeah, I, I, mean, I wanted to have changed. I wanted to bring that up because it is something that, that bothers me tremendously. Uh, you know, I'm getting to the age where I... I have to try hard not to like look back on how things were when I was younger and say those were inherently better. Uh, <laughs> but, and I, sometimes I succeed at avoiding that sometimes uh, not, but, uh, but that attitude of, of Bill Maher where he's talking about, like, Oh, well movies, you know, the Oscars used to be about this and that. And ultimately what, what a lot of people are saying without saying is that the Oscars used to be just a celebration of Hollywood. And there's nothing wrong with that, but as mm -hmm. film itself has become a little bit more democratized, I think, uh, whether it be from an international standpoint, from an independent standpoint, whatever it is, uh, then the Oscars, in theory, it was always supposed to be a celebration of great movies. And then it also just happened to be overlapping quite a bit with Hollywood, its main voting body. And then as time has gone on, uh, I think it actually started to get, come maybe even a bit more into its own um, and uh, and celebrate really great movies like the it was so exciting when Parasite won, especially because what with the BAFTAs and, ver and various other things, like it really looked like 1917, a movie that I thought was perfectly fine technically, but I found a little bit emotionally distant. Uh, it looked like that was going to walk away with like picture and director. And then suddenly Parasite just comes out swinging. And it was so exciting uh, because it's a mm -hmm. damn near perfect movie. Uh, and then there are plenty of people who say, well, what was that? I haven't heard of that. And it's like, well, and then there are some people who say like, well, there's a best foreign film category for that. It's like, you're, you're a moron. I'm sorry. I, I have no interest in that because yes, that is. And maybe that's the problem with the foreign film category or the animated film categories that it tends to sort of get a wise movie so that people don't actively think like actually think about them as being really in the running for best picture. And then parasite comes along and shows that they actually are, which is very exciting for me. Mm -hmm. I don't know if an animated film will ever win best picture, but you never know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or a documentary, certainly not a documentary. Mm, yeah. I think the way you put it was, was very accurate about how it used to be kind of an honoring Hollywood and then film was democratized more and it kind of separate the Oscars what they were awarding kind of separated from what does well at the box office traditionally. And there's just so many examples like 1917 versus Parasite 
Or like La La Land versus Moonlight. Yeah, the, the one quintessential that, Hollywood movie lost yeah. to like yeah. an indie movie that nobody would picture. And I also do that. I also keep thinking of when Trump was like, they gave the Oscar to like a foreign movie, like whatever happened to Gone with the Wind? And like, he probably hasn't seen Gone with the Wind. It's like the idea of what <laughs> Gone with the Wind is, like was appealing enough that he wanted to like give that a shout out. It's just kind of funny because it's like, in a way, it is that sentiment. It's more of a sentiment rather than like an actual thing that's like happening to you or happening to, yeah. I don't know, society. Like, and oh, when he, what happened with Gone with the Wind? He hasn't seen that movie. Or what didn't come out when he was like, he doesn't have like a memory of it coming out. He didn't know what it was like when it came I don't know. It's weird. And it's, I think it's, it's this idea of like, because uh, full disclosure, I myself tend to lean a little bit right, but when it comes to movies, and frankly, for the last eight years, I haven't really uh, seen eye to eye with uh, people that I philosophically, uh, theoretically, philosophically agree with. But when it comes to movies, I often find myself getting in a lot of arguments uh, because I love film as an art form, and I do find that a lot of people that tend to lean right think of it as in a very thinking they think about movies like in a box and so that idea of oh well whatever happened to this or that like why would the oscars you know i can't believe that uh, that a, a korean film won best picture this is ridiculous and and it's because they're thinking about movies a certain way they're thinking about the oscars a certain way as like this thing that approves what we already like and what we already know and uh and while i don't necessarily i'm not necessarily in favor of the oscars like being used first and foremost as a springboard to get people to know about a movie that is lesser known. If that movie is genuinely great, like Parasite, then by all means reward it, uh, regardless of how many people have seen it, how many people like it, where it's from, like just celebrate that. And if, if that causes more people to be aware of it, so be it. Like I remember uh, when Moonlight won, albeit it won in a way that may, that was extremely, unique and got people's attention even if they didn't care about the oscars that year but mm -hmm. uh i seem to recall reading uh like two days later that amazon ran out of blu-ray copies of moonlight uh because wow. of that like it's it the movie suddenly became more relevant again not merely because it won best picture but the way in which it won best picture which was like this the the crazy mix-up but uh and i remember thinking like moonlight's a great movie so this is great uh, that that the Oscars like that is sort of what the Oscars can be. It can be a lot of things, but one of the things that it can be is celebrating a genuinely good movie that yes, might be lesser known. I remember, you know, the Hurt Locker was up against Avatar and the Hurt Locker had made like no money and then Avatar made all the money. And yet her Locker is still the one that was rewarded. And that was very exciting to me. Um, yeah, I was, even, I was curious. Way. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to change the subject. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to add, like, in a weird way, I, I almost always like rooting for the underdog, even if it's between that and a movie that maybe I like more, but it's kind of a movie that you expect to win. Like, I really enjoyed Green Book, and I had some problems with Roma. Um, so, like, sure. I, I like both the movies a lot, and but maybe my enjoy my enjoyment of green book was probably better than my enjoyment of roma like i don't really know how to quantify each but i was still rooting for roma to win if that makes sense um so yeah i, I like that the oscars do that i really enjoy that they sort of give this boost to films and then they kind of create a legacy 
as they go and they it acts as sort of like a recommendation or kind of a incentive to watch a movie that you haven't heard of that was a strange year anyway, 2018. Like it's like Roma was seen as like the, the front runner for a lot of things, including picture, but it was almost seen as, as like just sort of a, yeah, sure. Why not? Kind of thing. Uh, there was no yeah. like, you know, powerhouse like a nomad land or, or something like that. Uh, and so, you know, I, myself, even though it only won best actress, I was a big fan of the favorite and I was kind of rooting for the favorite, even though I didn't, I knew it wasn't Same. going to get best picture. I just really loved it. Yeah. That would have been my pick also. Yeah, man. It's so good. Um, so what I was going to ask is, you know, with, with so many people talking increasingly, regardless of whether I agree with them or not with so many people talking increasingly about the irrelevance of the Oscars or whatever it is, what was it that brought you guys to this discussion? Like what made you want to, what made, let's say this, let's start with this. What made you so passionate about the Oscars in general, but passionate enough to devote an entire YouTube channel exclusively to that? I assume you're movie fans your whole life, but uh, Oscar being locked into the Oscars specific, like what, uh, how did that come about? Yeah, I think I think it's just like it, it just happened that our tastes, you know, gravitate towards like those Oscar nominated movies, like the movie that got us into movies was like There Will Be Blood. And then we started watching like I remember some of my early favorites were like Clockwork Orange and American Beauty and No Country for Old Men. And I was watching The Hurt Locker and stuff and like the King, the um, sorry, the social network. And it just happened that a lot of movies I was watching were like Oscar movies. And I would also kind of look at some of the nominees uh, as movies that like, you know, and take those as recommendations. So it, it kind of just like overlap with my taste in general. And I like a lot of movies that are like more indie and like I'll watch, you know, movies that aren't related to the Oscars too, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just kind of like, I don't know. It's, it's almost just fun. Like for anybody who's really an Oscar fan, like there's some element, that not just, you know, just a, a rational, like, I don't know, thing. It, it's, it's almost like kind of rooting for the movies that you watch over the year and like, you know, you want to see them or the ones that you love and you kind of root against the ones that you're not as big a fan of. I don't know. It's just like a fun thing that you fall into. Yeah. I also think it's fun because you start, once you start paying attention to it, you start learning like patterns and how campaigns like kind of go well and then they don't and then like what kind of movie tends to do well and if you start picking up the patterns it becomes fun to just start speculating and then once you're speculating like you know it's just a rabbit hole of, of accumulating like different kinds of data or learning about different years um and i think if once you start falling down that like once your knowledge grows you really can't help but but conceptualize the movies that you're watching and that are coming out as like, you know, possibly playing some role in that. Um, and it's also fun because there's an element, there's a huge element of surprise, especially like, you know, we just saw like Parasite win and Moonlight win in the last decade. And so a lot of these like rules and patterns that we're used to are changing. And those are really interesting to um, watch also. So it has like the right amount of surprise and it also kind of the right amount of predictability. Like I think some other award shows like music awards and, and um, maybe TV awards too, or just like, they're kind of more all over the place. They're like, whatever wins is more of a wild card. Um, but 
Oscar is like you, you can get pretty close if you pay attention to like the right stuff. So I don't know. It, it's kind of a game and a sport in itself. Yeah. Like if, if they were so unpredictable that it was just like, you might as well throw up your hands and say like, fuck it. It wouldn't be as, as fun if there was, you know, but it does feel like there's a way to know. And as far as yeah. starting the channel, it's like, you know, me and him just ended up talking. We, we just, we just talk about Oscars like naturally all the time. And so we thought like, I mean, we, we, we liked to make videos, generally and we thought like you know let's just put some predictions on the internet let's put some reactions on the internet like and talk about movies and it just kind of felt natural to do for us because we were just already into it we already liked yeah we liked freaking out over the i don't know when it was we started like really enjoying freaking out over it but we were doing that before the channel too. I, we did that in 2013 for sure we have a film <laughs> old film like i would whip out my phone and cole would read like the sag nominations and then we'd you know if someone wasn't there we would just like freak out yeah i have a video yeah, of me just... falling falling on is when when paul greengrass <laughs> was snubbed for captain phillips <laughs> oh man <laughs> Oh, we need to rec- we need to uncover all the archives, but um, that's the oldest reaction video I think we. And had. then and then it was early Oscar predictions was actually like one of the first things we ever tried to do, and then just like put it on YouTube because no one else was doing it, and we thought it was funny to like kind of act like we're this oracle of of that, that's going to predict everything that's going to happen before it does. I don't know. This is like a lot of things that are fun about it, but I mean, I'm sure there was a point where I could have said, you know what, this is a weird obsession. I think I'm gonna you know spend my time like not obsessing over this and do something else, but I don't know. It like, that just didn't happen. Like we just, it's just, you got, you get hooked, get hooked and get completely roped in and, and here we are. And then YouTube makes you not stop really. So yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause you don't want to, you don't want to disappoint the the fans. And just, it just grows and it's like fun. It's fun to do YouTube. I, I, I don't even think we just do it as like fan service. Like the YouTube itself became fun. Yeah, we're, right now we get to like we're like starting to meet people on like Twitter who are into it. And yeah, I got to go do podcasts, people like you, and go to film festivals. It's like crazy. Like, I I've always wanted to get paid to watch movies. Who doesn't want to get paid to watch movies? So <laughs> I don't get paid to watch movies yet, but maybe one day like people will just pay me to, you know, I'll get like a press pass and and stuff like that, and I'll get to see, and we'll get to see free Netflix movies and it's yeah. just cool. I mean, if you're I, a movie fan like, and you get all those perks and you can I, talk I, about movies that and in a way that aren't the oscars like i don't think you'd ever get bored by it yeah i mean it's also just like it's it's like rare it's something rare in in my life as 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 the one who like edits all the content where i find something that i like want to dedicate a lot of time to (laughs) and uh, there's like not many things i mean that as far as like work goes like you know i i used to like want to do a lot of comedy sketches and stuff but the, the writer's block of trying to think of new ideas. It was not like fun for me, but I don't know. I'm something about just, I mean, I also just edit a lot in general. And so something about it makes me want to just keep putting out content. Like it's just fun for me. I like to grow it and um, I want to try out new ideas in the future for it. Like the channel's just fun. Yeah. It's like your life purpose. So the, it's like a really <laughs> weird life purpose that you got. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it you gotta be, be like when you well started be. calling yourself the oscar expert that was it and will be a it's like you, you just ma- literally the name just manifested it and you're like the oscar expert now and that's you know that's me now. that's what you got to do it's your duty it's your calling and it's your it's your purpose and your destiny hmm. what can i guess you, the channel wouldn't be quite say? the channel wouldn't be quite as dynamic if it was just referred to as an oscar expert because then it's just like, well, it's just a bunch of one of one of many. 
Yeah, one of many Oscar <laughs> experts. That would that was that was we were between that and the Oscar expert, and we just decided we're gonna go with the we're gonna be the pretentious one. It could exactly be, uh, a, a Oscar expert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could get grammatically also, incorrect about domain, it, anger like, people. You know, it, it is really fake too because the domain is available. Like, I personally think that the Oscar expert is like a cool name, and the web, like, I, I want to make a website from it. And I just like went and bought like a couple domains that were close to it, and Oscar expert was available for like fifteen dollars. And I was like, you know, this is just meant to be. Like, I am like, we're just we're just filling the shoes. It's a lot of baggage to me. Someone had to be the Oscar expert and, yeah. and the shoes were just there. It, it, it feels almost like things. it's almost like you were chosen by it. Yeah. Yeah. The exactly. Oscars. They found him. They found you. <laughs> exactly. Yes. The, the experts found me. Yeah. Just as, just as, as the ring found Bilbo, uh, the Oscar <laughs> expert domain found you. Um, but uh, so So okay, as you're as you're watching the Oscars from year to year, do you find yourself like how much how much importance and we talked a little bit about this already, but how much importance do you find yourself attaching to it? As you mentioned, uh, you enjoy you enjoy freaking out about uh, a lack of nominee, a snub, or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, you know, amongst uh, movie people, there there has been this this. Uh, attitude towards the Oscars that that doesn't say oh they're irrelevant they recognize the 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 role of the Oscars in in film history uh, but they also say like well you know hey Hitchcock never won and uh, Peter O'Toole never won you know they got lifetime achievement but they never won a competitive Oscar so really Kubrick never won so really what's the Oscars really don't mean very much but uh, so it's very easy to to take that attitude but at the same time those same people, myself included, will still get a little bit frustrated when what seems to be super obvious in a given year uh, doesn't happen. Uh, for me, this year it was Delroy Lindo. I'm, I'm, I, I love his performance. Yeah. I've loved him in everything, but he was like revelatory in *The Five Bloods*, a movie that I liked but didn't love. But I loved him in it, and it seemed like such a foregone conclusion that he would be nominated uh, and should have been nominated. And then when he wasn't. It was one of those things where I was like, oh, I thought I was past the point of getting angry about this. But you know what? Son of a yeah. bitch, the Oscars made me angry. Do you find yourself getting <laughs> genuinely uh, invested in in the Oscars and what is included and what isn't? I think it's it's true that like the, the people who like think it's dumb and, and you know, ultimately like not relevant are, are definitely like correct. I mean, there's so many filmmakers that will never like see the Oscars and. I mean, I haven't, I want to get back into like a movie watching phase and really explore like more foreign cinema and older films, um, you know, with, 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 and also like when you search for films that you, that you want to watch from like the past or from other or internationally, like you don't look and see what got nominated for an Oscar to do it. Like you find what people are talking about Right. And, you, you know, you go on like Letterbox Top 250, like in the way that's like cooler than you're going to find like a better batch of films than you will if you just like watch all the best picture nominees um, and you're going to find more boundary pushing cinema. So in a way, like the, you know, the Oscars are just a specific purpose that they don't encompass like the meaning of film overall and um, every angle that or, like all, all the meaning that film could have. 
Um, they're just like a small sliver of it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, yeah, on the other, I mean, on the, that's just like, obviously on the other hand, I get very, very invested in the Oscars and I can't help, but like get frustrated when they snub somebody because it, like you said, you know, in a practical way, it means something like it would have meant something for Delroy Lindo's career, but thankfully I actually think Delroy Lindo is directing a film next. Um, so, you know, I'm not too, I'm not too worried about that, but it would just, it would just be nice. Like it's, it would be I, just me thinking about, you know, Oh, Delroy Lindo would really enjoy, like if he got an Oscar nomination and he deserved it, like, I don't know. Yeah. How can you not, how can you not be a little bit upset? So I don't know. I get yeah, Like they, you know, in a way they don't matter in the larger scheme of things, but like, I mean, in they, some ways they matter know. and in some ways they don't, yeah, but, they do but like, I mean, some of my favorite movies last year were nominated for no Oscars. And like, I mean, that's just, I, I, I just think you can't take them, you know, too seriously. And, and I guess you can't expect them to nominate like the most obscure like movies every year or the first cows, I guess. Sure. And, I don't know, like some people are, you know, the, the the kind of people who are respectful of the movies that are in contention and actually watch the movies, not like the Bill Mars who are like, I haven't seen this, but I hate the Oscars. People who are like, I hate the Oscars because, you know, they, they snub great movies like First Cow, they don't nominate like Delroy Linda or whatever. Um, there, there's a point to be made there. Um, but I mean, the Oscars for what they are, like they are... I think a body that is, is good at picking movies that have a little bit broader of an appeal, but might also um, reach into like some more interesting, like facets of filmmaking, sort of a combination, like you have your Bohemian Rhapsodies and you have your Romas um, in the lineup. Uh, I don't know where I'm, where I'm really going with that, but I, I guess, yeah, I you know, really it's just like, my point of it. is, is, you know, is that for you? Like, do you just kind of, focus on the bohemian rhapsodies and you just get like upset about it or you know are you just kind of excited for like the nomad lands i don't know um yeah it's i think in the end that's that's what you kind of have to you, you have to be sort of zen about it in a way uh and be like yes okay delroy lindo wasn't nominated but paul racy was so yeah you got to be happy yeah. about certain things uh and then but then you also realize like just the nature of what the oscars are it's like paul paul racy was nominated but he couldn't possibly win and i think there's yep. the couldn't possibly the the understanding that of course this actor that you haven't heard of this this working actor that you haven't heard of who delivers a beautifully understated performance yeah that's not really the stuff of the oscars it you know he he should just be lucky that he got his nomination like there is that sort of after a while you you don't even i feel like uh you just sort of accept this stuff as as a part of what talking about the oscars is and then when you really get into it when you really like take the time to think about it you're just like that's kind of bullshit that it's just sort of assumed that paul racy yeah. that we all we all just know he's not going to win uh even even without like the predictor yeah. stuff just because of what the oscars are and uh and it's the kind of thing where it's like well now i'm now i'm uh, excited and frustrated at the same time uh and that and such is the nature of of the oscars um i've I found as as time has gone on i find them valuable as just a snapshot of the year and the time in which that particular oscars yeah. ceremony took place like whether whether it be a movie that has has not aged well because of 
you know, culture, uh, or has not aged well because of visual effects, or it was maybe really cutting edge at the time for whatever reason. And suddenly you realize like, yeah, there's really no, no reason to watch the greatest show on earth outside of a pretty good Jimmy Stewart performance. Uh, but boy, it sure was a big deal at the time. Uh, and I find that to be a really interesting thing. Cause you can sort of see in it, in your, in its own way, you see an evolution of, of Hollywood. If you were to just watch the best picture winners, um, and just see like, all right, I, I see where we're headed here. And certainly from the standpoint of like representation, you would definitely see and, and a, a shift in just content and what Hollywood was getting more and more comfortable addressing. Uh, and I find that really interesting from an academic standpoint, even if it is occasionally pretty frustrating. Um, and eventually you learn to be like, okay, maybe I'll branch out a little bit. And if I'm watching all the best picture winners, maybe I'll branch out and watch all the nominees too, because now, now you're starting to get a better picture of what, of how good movies can be. Like Rocky's a really wonderful movie, but if you only, if that's the only movie you watched in 1976 or for 1976, you'd miss out on some pretty amazing films like Taxi Driver and Network and All the President's Men and that sort of thing. So, yeah, as a snapshot, I think it's helpful, but eventually you have to get out of that because it is pretty limited. Yeah, and I think like. You know, when 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 you kind of ask people like, well, usually when people complain about the Oscars, they don't really say what what they would prefer it to be. So if if your complaint this year was that nobody's seen any of the movies, like, would you want them to nominate like Wonder Woman? Like, I don't think you would. <laughs> exactly. And then, there, you know, there are people who want the Oscars to nominate like basically, you know, Metacritic's com com uh, compilation of like the critics top 10 lists. And if that's the case, then, you know, the Oscars would just have less of an appeal for people and pe and it, they would be encouraging people to go out, watch like Adelina Varela and be like, I am completely bored out of my mind and I don't understand why the Oscars nominated this. I'm never taking an Oscars recommendation again. So they teeter the line in a way where, um, and I think that's kind of how they stay relevant. Yeah, it's, yeah. and I, and I do think that you know, every once in a while you'll get uh, a movie, frankly, like Nomadland, which actually won. But going back and looking at a film like, for example, Lost in Translation, which I think is uh, wonderful. I, I absolutely adore it. But it's so interesting to think that that movie was nominated alongside Lord of the Rings, uh, The Return of the King and... Uh, was it master and commander of the far side, like these big epic movies. And then you've got this very strange, uh, very subtle film like lost in translation, where I remember I was working at a video store when that came out on, on DVD and so many people rented it. Cause like, Hey, Bill Murray. Uh, and Oh, I see that this was nominated for a lot of Oscars. Uh, I'll, I'll go watch it. And then they, so many people came back and they said, what was this supposed to even be about? Like they were so angry at the Oscars. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, so, but at the same time, good for the Oscars for even acknowledging that that's, that there's something to this movie uh, that is worth honoring or at least worth acknowledging um, and not just having it be an opportunity to just, to just sell movies that have already been very well sold. Um, but, uh, and yeah, to go back to, sorry, the conversation is, is very meandering. That's kind of what we do here. Um, but to go back to no, that's all the bill, Oh, good. Okay. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, <laughs> to go back to the Bill Maher thing, like 
the, I think the other thing that can get frustrating about frustrating, frustrating, pardon me about the Oscars is the idea that it forces people to think simply in terms of like, okay, this is people consider this the best. Okay. That's weird. And then, Oh, these are the considered the five or eight or whatever best movies of the year. And when you put some, yeah. when you just put that label on something, uh, it's really hard to engage with the movie as a work of art. Like, like I watched that Bill Maher thing in which he talked about what Nomadland was. He talked about what Sound of Metal was. He talked about what Minari was. And he, and yes, he summed it up by talking about how depressing the, the care, the, the situation in Nomadland was. He talked about how depressing the, the barn going up in flames in Minari was. He talked about how depressing the fact of, of this drummer losing his hair. Like he talked about that and it's just like, yeah, I guess that's true. But if you watch the movies, you'll notice that tonally there, it's not merely about what happens. It's how the characters are dealing with it. And you come away with, in some cases, a, a very odd sense of, and a very palpable sense of hope. But if you simply look at like the, the simple plot dynamics, and if you're only looking at it looking at them because someone has said, oh, this is nominated for best one of the best pictures of the, of the year, um, then you're going to miss out on like a very important part of the conversation about film. Uh, and the Oscars could just turn into sort of a checklist of, oh, I should see all these movies, maybe not even in order to engage with them, but just to say that I saw them. <laughs> and you may wind up missing some really important aspects of the film. Mm. Yeah, I think... I, I, I definitely hate the lens of looking at movies like they're just downers and that's it. I mean, and there, you know, there are a lot of people who want to go to the movie and they want to feel good and then that they come out like feeling great. Um, but you know, for, for, for people who are more serious about it, like I think even like the saddest movies, like even the movies that most would consider downers, like you know, as in with like any type of art, like if you're, if you're putting like something distressing or upsetting on screen, like almost always there's some sort of takeaway you know, whether that's even just like empathy for the subject, like the father does not have really much hope in it, but I feel like there's value in, in the movie and just like the, you know, the empathetic portrayal of like something that, you know, people can't go through and they're in their everyday. I mean, people could go through it, but like, so, you know, most, most people watching haven't been through something like that. Um, so, I mean, yeah, there's, there's definitely value in movies that, you know, might be considered downers. And it, it is frustrating when people look at it through that lens. Yeah. It's, uh, as a, as a, uh, as an adjunct instructor at a community college, I want to make sure to not use the word professor because that sounds a little bit too uh, lofty for what I am. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I'm, I'm teaching kids who are not film people. They're taking a humanities course and they figure, Oh, watching movies, that's a good way to get a humanities credit. And then we, and so I try, I don't, I don't try to challenge them too much, but then you come to realize just how much like a, a young college student would consider challenging. And suddenly it's like, Oh wow. I really thought I was giving, you know, throwing a big fat softball when I assigned uh, jaws, but apparently not, apparently it's too talky. Uh, and it's, oh and it's, uh, it's kind of interesting, but, uh, but yeah, in, in discussing the Oscars and just the role that they play, I think it can invite people and this is where I, yeah, this is probably going to sound a little elitist, but whatever, I'm fine with it. Uh, it could be seen as sort of amateur hour as far as movie watchers. Like they hear about, oh, this movie is nominated, so I guess I'll give it a watch. My 
God Love Her, My Mom is very much like this. Uh, and then they watch it not really knowing what they're getting into. And then they just get uh, upset by it. And then they get upset with the Academy. Why would, why would, uh, who would ever consider yeah. that the best movie of the year when obviously it was this movie that made a ton of money because it was incredibly easy to watch and not at all uh, challenging. Not that challenging yeah, isn't necessarily a good thing. That's a good point. Cause that's why a lot of people I think see, see movies like this and they're like, well, Hollywood clearly has its head so far up its own ass. Yeah that they can't even understand what makes a good movie anymore. But I think, I don't know. I mean, really, I think the problem is just like people not really like being able to get, yeah, it's going to sound a little pretentious to say it, but yeah, it's like the problem is often, not always often that people just like, aren't able to like get on the level of the movie, that the movie wants you to get on, I guess, or, yeah. you know, or just, they just, it's just harder for them to like read the movie. Um, and I mean, I, I definitely remember being like, right. It was literally like a threshold between watching there'll be blood and then everything else. But like, right. Like before I, I saw there'll be blood. Like I didn't, I, I watched movies like, like a, a layman, like everybody else. And, um, I wouldn't, you know, I, I can imagine like exactly how I would have reacted to, to certain movies like Nomadland, you know, when I was 12 years old or 11 yeah. or something like it would have just been like, what, you know, what's the point of this movie? And like, why? I don't know. I mean, I actually never watched a movie like No Man Land when I was that young. So I don't know. But it was just like you watch a movie for something that titillates you. You go to a genre that, you know, is going to do something for you. Like comedy is going to make you laugh or action is going to like entertain you and, um, you know, surprise you and thrill you. And if a movie doesn't do any of those things, it can be a very confusing experience. Um and so, yeah, just people don't, don't always know how to engage with films. Honestly, I think is a lot of it. And, and people who are in Hollywood engage with films in a different way than most people do because they're in Hollywood. Um, and to me, that makes the Oscars like that gives them the credibility they have that enables them to nominate films like Roma. Um, uh, and I think that's a good thing. And a lot of people think it's it's dumb. But I always say to people, like, if we didn't have the academy voting like people in hollywood all we would have is like people like if we just had the people's choice awards it would just be the avengers every year like it wouldn't yeah. make any sense to award movies like that it just literally would not make sense yeah. if you, uh, so you have to understand it as like it's it is an attempt to like award art in a way yeah i mean in a way uh speaking about the people's choice award uh, yeah, you're right. It would be these these crowd pleasing movies. And hey, I love the Avengers movies. I enjoy being uh, entertained in that in that way. But in, yeah. at the same time, it's like, yeah, those movies already got their reward uh, by right. making it's billions upon office. billions of dollars and yeah. uh, and having game. people love them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and but I am curious actually because uh, it's 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 always exciting when you hear about somebody's like threshold film as you were talking about. Um, and in your case, it was uh, There Will Be Blood. And I'm curious to know, because I don't necessarily have a specific one specific movie. It was more just like the one year in my life, essentially, when I was like halfway through eighth grade into halfway through ninth grade, when I just started realizing I don't like most of the movies aimed at my age group. <laughs> what else is there? And so I just kind of tried a lot of things. But uh, but to, to 
point to there will be blood as a before and after and boy if ever if ever there was a movie that could be that that's the one but yeah. i'm curious how did you arrive at that movie in the first place like it's not yeah. a casual watch that one well and just the way that you said that you arrived in movies is more like how i think about music in a way it's kind mm -hmm. of interesting like i i just realized like i didn't like a lot i just like don't like a lot of music or i just or just like music that i that people listen to just is not appealing to me so i have to like really venture out and try to find something that like works for me mm -hmm. um but yeah yeah so with movies i didn't have it wasn't like i had you know i guess in that in in the case with music or with you i i assume it's like you have an itch that you you just want to scratch but like you're aware that there's an itch right and then yes but i didn't know there was an itch like i didn't know that, that i didn't have an itch i was just like i remember one summer because i discovered i discovered there only blood and then i showed it to him and because we're identical twins or i guess you know we're just similar and he like understood he, he had the, same well, the reason you stumbled upon it was because yeah i was thought say. it was a horror so movie. yeah i would i would i would oh yeah bruise like vod and i was probably the same i was like eighth grade i mean i don't know how old i was 14 like probably eighth grade but i would just like peruse vod very late at night like 2 a.m i would just put on like horror movies um i don't know to psych myself out or something and that was just like how i spent my like summer nights just like alone like watching whatever and i saw there will be blood i assumed that was a horror movie so i watched it and i was like on my toes waiting for something to happen because the movie has this like foreboding atmosphere and so that was captivating like the atmosphere like got me hooked um you know, for reasons that I wasn't like consciously able to, you know, aware of or like able to articulate, you know, it did, it did have me hooked in the same exact way that any movie would where like a horror movie is keeping you on your toes. Like you're expecting something to happen. Um, but in this case, it was like, you don't know what's happening with this guy. Like I, you know, it was also funny because I never heard of the movie at all. And so I assumed that he was a, like a, a well enough intentioned man. And then by the end, he's, he's not like this happy, like jolly monopoly oil man. He's like this, uh, you know, he's like this creature, uh, a murderous creature yeah. that lives in a cave. And I think like, especially just, especially the way they ended the movie um, where he just like says, I'm finished. And then the movie, it cuts. It was just like, what? Like, oh shit. That was like, my reaction it was like, oh shit. Like there's, yeah. so, there's like, they, this movie wants me to like die. It's like an invitation to like dive right into it. And like, just cause it leaves you unsettled, it leaves you like not having the answers to anything that happened, but it was like thrilling and captivating. So I guess that's how I would put that. And it was, you know, I didn't have, I didn't know cinematography. I don't, I didn't think about like now when I watch a movie, I think about when it's cutting and like what kind of shot it is just kind of something that happens in the back of my head, but I didn't have any vocabulary for any of that. So that's not why I liked the movie in a way, you know? So I'm yeah, also I mean, fascinated by why the movie like captured my attention. Cause now I know what I, I would see the trailer for that and be like, that's my, that's a movie for me. But I didn't know why that was a movie for me then, but essentially it was like, Oh, that's like maybe the best movie I've ever seen. And I don't know why I watched it again. And I showed it to like Cole and Cole agreed that it was like the best movie we'd ever <laughs> seen. And then we found IMDB and then IMDB was like, yeah this yeah. movie's a masterpiece like it's a masterpiece and i was like yeah it is a masterpiece so i started we actually started we were imdb like fiends and yeah. we would just watch everything on the top 250 and that's you know all those like gateway movies like stanley yeah. kubrick's films and stuff like that we're, we're very like hypnotic stuff 
very hypnotic and like kind of odd and character focused and genre. Yeah. I don't know genre bendy sometimes like that kind of thing was, was like huge for my development as like a film person. So. That's a really one. It's a, it's a great story. And I love the way that you phrased it that like in, in some cases a person is scratching an itch, whereas you didn't even know you had an itch. Exactly. Uh, and so in whole, that, it was like, open, it's a religious experience world, in a way. World. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, a, you know, you're two inches above the ground experience when you're like done with it was a late, elating, you know, yeah. at the end of it, you're like chasing kind of a, a high. And I think it's, it is one of those things where not, not every, everybody has, has this with something. Okay. It's, it's, I don't mean to, to denigrate people that aren't this way with movies because chances are they're like this with something else that I have no interest in. Um, Mm -hmm. But it is the kind of thing where if you were just a casual horror fan or whatever, and you went to see there, you went to watch there will be blood and you said yourself, I don't know why I kept watching. Well, if you were a casual movie fan, you wouldn't have. You would have realized pretty quick that this isn't the movie you thought it was. And then you would stop watching. But partially because that very anticipatory Johnny Greenwood score that just keeps you invested. It it feels a little bit like a horror. Yeah. I don't even know how, like the role of the score in that movie could be the reason that I kept watching it for all, you know, just like getting under your skin in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and you know, there's no real dialogue for the first 20 minutes. And so it's, it is a film that for, for a, a casual movie watcher, it's, it's almost like doing everything you can to filter you out so that the, so that like the person yeah. that this movie is meant for will, will get to the end. Um, and uh, yeah, one of, one of the films, not the film, but one of the films like that for me uh, when I was younger was Dr. Strangelove, a movie that I went back and, and rented. I knew nothing about it. I just, I went to a video store back when they existed and, and the, the box art looked interesting. I didn't even know it was a comedy. And so I threw it in and that's the movie that doesn't announce itself as a comedy for a while. Uh, and that, there's one where <laughs> when the movie ends, you just think, holy shit, what's, what's going on here? It's like, okay, so the world has blown up. Spoilers, everybody. So the world has blown up. But wait, did Dr. Strangelove suddenly learn, like, was he suddenly able to walk there? Okay, well, I guess it doesn't matter because everyone's dead now. Um, what a weird way to end a movie. Uh, and so, yeah, it's it's always fun to talk about, like, these, these sort of gateway movies. And certainly a movie like There Will Be Blood is not a, it's not a, not an easy one, but it's the kind that once you see, you're like, well, obviously I can't go back now. Uh, What am I going to do? Go back to watching? I don't even know. Again, I'm older than you guys. But so in my case, like I watched, I think one of the movies was like Network. I watched Network. Yeah. And and like in like eighth grade, uh, maybe ninth grade. And I I guess I kind of had this thought of like, what am I going to do? Go back to watching Adam Sandler movies? Come on. You know, exactly. uh, <laughs> I can't do that. It's the, the floodgates have opened. I can't do this. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, are there any other, are there any other uh, films just uh, offhand that you feel like sort of shaped who you are now as, as movie watchers and, and, and as Oscar fans? Um, I don't, I'm, I'm actually curious, like, see, cause uh, I, I sort of, question for you about this because you're a college you're a professor Mm -hmm. and you said you have a lot of students who take your your class and you you show them movies and and they're just kind of doing it for a credit or whatever yeah and they're not even necessarily like open not trying to get their brains expanded by movies 
So in, in a way, your role is like to to try to find or would you say your role in some ways to try to find movies that might be gateways for people in your class that might unlock something in them that they haven't thought about before? Or like, do, do you see that as your role? And like, if, if, if you do, like which movies you think work, work people in that way? Uh, that is a really good question. And I think the answer is probably yes. Although I don't think I've really thought about it until just now. Um, <laughs> yeah, because, because it is, it, first off, it all depends on the class that you're teaching. Cause like I teach an aesthetics class. I te- I've taught like a film history class an American film history class and like world cinema and stuff like that. So depend, and then the cl- I'm teaching only one class this semester and it's all for high school freshmen getting college credit. So it's like, all right, anything rated R is out, which is very limiting. Um, but, uh, so, you know, there are certain constraints put on you, but yeah, it is one of those things where you think, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to throw them into uh, 2001, a space odyssey. That's not going to help anybody uh, as much as I adore it. So what can I pick? That's that kind of, to go back to this idea, what that could potentially scratch that itch um, while still being a little bit more uh, accessible to such an extent that the, that the, the student can articulate their feelings about it, even in a vague way. Um, so yeah, that's, it's something that I do try to do. Um, so like in in a film history course, you know, we're going to go back to, you know, we go back to the 1920s and we're talking about German expressionism and so it's like, all right, there's a lot of options of what I can show, but then there are some that will be easier than others. I'm not going to show the last laugh because that's because even though it's expressionistic, it's more of a drama and the kids might not be that interested. So I should probably stick to something that's more horror sci-fi based like Metropolis or Nosferatu or the one that I usually pick is the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, because that's one that you can then point to Tim Burton and say, hey, you know, that guy who has seen who's made some films you're aware of. He is very clearly influenced by this entire movement this movie in particular. Um, so sometimes it's, it's that I will often, when talking about film history, I will try to say, Hey, the movie that we're about to watch, the one that we just watched, if you're familiar, like this is the impact that it had that you might be more familiar with. So, you know, you start talking about the 1970s and taxi driver and it's like, Hey, who here saw Joker? And then you're like, okay, well, when you watch Taxi Driver, you will see where Joker came from. Uh, and then I'll, and then I'd probably mention the King of Comedy as well. But uh, so yeah, it's definitely a thing that I that I try to do uh, as far as the the movie that we pick, and then also the way that I that I try to frame it. And sometimes it goes well, other times it again really doesn't. Uh, but uh, you do what you can. Thank you for that question. That was very nice. Uh, I, uh, I, I should think more in, in terms of like what could be a gateway. I think I was just thinking in terms, I was thinking in those terms without ever actually putting it that way. So, yeah, uh, so I, I appreciate it, that. It sounds like, it sounds like that's what you were targeting, but didn't, yeah. Didn't think of it that way. Yeah. Cause I've talked to, I've talked to people who aren't like that in a film and, and they're like, yeah, like, you know, my teacher showed me citizen Kane and I was just like, that was fine. Like they didn't get what, like they didn't like get the hype. And I was like, hmm, I don't know if like, I wonder if like showing people like Casablanca is going to get them, is going to like help them actually like spark their interest. Whereas like, I know a lot of people's gateway movies are like Amelie or like American Beauty or something like mm-hmm. where like the style is kind of like apparent. Uh, a lot of movies in the 60s were designed to make you like wake up to like, oh, like I'm watching art too. Yeah. But they're not, they don't, they're not going to play in the same way now. Cause you're like, ah, it's just like a weird old movie. Um, yeah, it's, 
But yeah, like with the ending, especially, I feel like a movie that's really that like can lock you in the whole time and then has like an ending that throws you off is a really good gateway film, like No Country for Old Men. Sure. I, if, I, if I watched that film instead of There Will Be Blood, I would probably would have had the same exact like awakening where I would have watched the whole movie because it's it's thrilling and it's creepy and it's all that, you know, um, genre stuff. But it doesn't it's not what you expect. And then the ending is like you have to kind of pick apart this like dream and then like think about the movie because it leaves you very empty handed if you like it, uh, you know, if you weren't reading into it. Yeah, if you were just you, reading it like a normal thriller, you'd then the movie ends like that. You're like, wait, what? That wasn't that wasn't a normal thriller anymore. Yeah, or you have to think, why would that a movie would do that? Why would a movie do that to me? Why would a movie <laughs> yeah. leave me satisfied? Why would that do that to I me? I think if there was any movie that primed me for liking There Will Be Blood, aside from just like whatever innate characteristics I have that, that drew me to it, it was probably The Shining because I'd seen that movie like I think probably three times before There Will Be Blood, and I and um. I'd probably consider that one of my favorite movies. And I think, yeah, I mean, there's something about there will be blood in the pacing. That's a little Kubrickian and the score is yeah. like inspired by like Penderecki music and stuff. So I think I, I kind of went, Oh, like the shining vibes. Like I like it. I like the weird, the weirdness and the shining wasn't even a movie that really scared me. There was something about yeah. the atmosphere. I think looking back that I was like into the Shining's a lot like there will be blood when you think about it. Yeah. Well, that movie is very like, yeah. Yeah. It's uh you know, you, you hit on something that I, as a teacher, do often say, which is if a movie's not doing what you think it should be doing or what you thought it would be doing, rather than immediately dismiss it because it's not what you wanted it to be, first ask why. Was the director, it's like, is this director trying to hurt me in some way? Is this director trying to piss me off? Because the answer could actually be yes. And then the question is, why are they trying to do that? Uh, yeah. And I think that's, I think that is the, the, the problem. Although it's not even a problem. It's just, it's something when you're younger, you movies are entertaining. Like they're a way to escape and a way to, to uh, enjoy this like fantasy world whether it be like star wars or or uh, harry potter or whatever it is um and then when you come across a movie that is actually not a 100 committed to giving you what you want uh it's frustrating and you feel like there is something objectively wrong with that movie and then you come to realize that oh no there's there's more to this than i thought and so more than anything that is what i try to do is just get students to ask even if even if a movie is doing exactly what you thought even if you do find yourself totally engaged that means the direct the director is still making choices and in order to get you to feel that way and so why did the director do this this way so that i would feel this way um and uh it's it's harder than one would think because i do think we have a very consumer a very consumerist way of looking at art in general and movies in particular which is understandable but uh but that's not I myself, I, you know, even amongst movie people, I have a hard time uh, convincing them that like film is not inherently a narrative art form. It can be like something like a 2001 a Space Odyssey um, is not a straightforward story. It's more of an experience. And similarly, you mentioned uh, No Country for Old Men. That's that's a, a movie that uh, I know a lot of people that have a problem with because the story is going along in a way that sort of makes sense. And then suddenly uh, a very important character dies and yet somehow the, and he dies off screen and the movie continues and people are like, well, that's not what I'm used to. That's not, 
that's not the story I wanted. And it's like, well, then maybe this isn't a story. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's not total. Maybe it was using a story up to a certain point and then was able to discard it so that it could be what it's really about. Um, but that's a very hard thing to, to talk with people about because the vast majority of certainly American movies are story based and narrative based and, and all of that. So um, anyway, I talked longer than I thought I was going to there. I apologize. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm listening intently. I also think, um, I think, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I am trying to put myself in like the shoes of somebody who maybe just like doesn't care. Yeah. And you know, in, in my own way, I'm like, huh, how, how would you get somebody to care? Um, because, you know, in one way, like you could get somebody to understand, you know, okay, well you could write like someone who's like a very good student, for example, could, would, would write a, a paper probably like correctly, like identifying the intention of, of an author or of like, a filmmaker like they could say you know hey like maybe this was like to do this but it doesn't necessarily mean they'll care like oh this movie was trying to make you feel this or it was trying to like provoke this idea or question this idea and maybe like that like a lot of people just like really don't care about that and i don't even think that's a bad thing necessarily but it was just kind of a thought that i had like you know maybe i, I don't know i don't know if it if, if it's like a preference for what you know, if, if people if, if people care because it's like fun to think about, it's like solving a puzzle or if it's yeah. a curiosity about like life and just how how other people are seeing it and experiencing it or or what it is, you know, like. I, I don't know, because I, I feel like movies are very tied to me, for like, you know, they're they're tied to like thinking about life in a way. Oh, yeah. Like you, you want I don't know, you want a movie to be about like have like a view on life and i think that's something that's you know i don't not fun to think about but yeah. like that i do think about or like so, or like a filmmaker to have something that has like meaning in it yeah, yeah. Or, or a filmmaker who can instill a style onto a movie where you're like i haven't seen that before like that's like they're painting a picture of the the world that doesn't exist in, mm -hmm. in my like experience and that's also really cool so i think but both could you but i'm cool. also like could you be completely shallow and still like movies a lot like i don't know what do you mean oh, sure i mean like oh yeah like how yeah. like just anybody well, who just goes to but see, like, like really good, like really have like amazing taste in movies you mean have you mean have impeccable taste and just not enjoy not but be like kind of shallow about like like your own life <laughs> yes i think uh, that's a yes, real question i asked i think the kind of person so? yeah okay why, why do you say yes why do you say yes uh, okay. Because I've known people like that kind of who <laughs> can be tremendously, uh, I think, it, I think there's a disconnect. I think you can be incredibly thoughtful about movies and about art and really tuned into what somebody else is doing and trying to say, and you might even be able to appreciate it on a thematic and even an emotional level. And yet yeah. probably because of, of who you are as a person and, and, maybe some issues that you need to deal with. Like you might compartmentalize to such an extent that like whatever quote unquote lessons the movie is trying to teach you, you are unable to internalize. Uh, you yeah. can acknowledge it, but you don't in this. It's, it's almost like uh, this is not a great analogy, but like, like somebody who appreciates wine, like, Sometimes they'll take a, a, a sip and like swish it around and then spit it out. They can, they have an impeccable appreciation for wine, 
but at the same time, it's like, yeah, but wine is also kind of meant to be swallowed. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, like that's kind of, I that's a, that's a big part of it. And so I do think there are people that are, that can appreciate film and talk about it at length, but they are unable to engage with it on a deeper level. Yeah. Or like it doesn't in their own life, like their life, like yeah. once, you know, yeah. I mean, I also feel like the more you watch movies, the less, it, it might actually be less likely it could impact your, your life in a way. Oh yeah. Because you, you just are kind of jaded to like what you kind of know a lot of what, what has been said. And you're just like, yeah, like I, the more Ted talks you watch, the, the more you're like <laughs> jaded by Ted talks. Like I've probably watched like 10 Ted talks this week. And like, I think about like one or two, like every now and then, but like, you know, what was the best one? Watched, what was the like, best one you, you watched this week? I don't know. I was like thinking, uh, well, that probably made me think more was like, there's like a lady talking about like how she didn't have kids. And then there was another lady talking about, it was like, you know, to balance it out. It was a lady talking about how you should spend your twenties, like trying to hunker down a little bit. Hmm. So it's which just one, like, which I mean, one did you find yourself? Combined. Which one resonated with you more? Uh, mm, mm, I don't know. I was just like, yeah, I respect the lady for like not wanting to have kids, but like I, I don't, I'm not like set on not having kids. So I don't like resonate with like her necessarily, but the other woman saying that, you know, your 20, she was basically like your twenties are not, or it was like, listen, your thirties are not your twenties. Okay. You can't just like do whatever you want in your twenties and expect your thirties to go well. Like, I feel like I'm primed enough to not have to be like in my twenties and my thirties. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. They're like, I, I don't know. Yeah. I see like, that's the thing. Do I have like a takeaway from this or I'm just kind of like chewing gum here, just like chewing the gum. And that's, that's what and I that can like be doing all the time. And that can be okay too. You know, uh, the, it's, it's yeah. a thing that, uh, my co-host and I, uh, if he were here, it's a thing that we regularly talk about on the show is that we will pick a topic and talk about it and talk about it for about an hour, hour and a half and come to no conclusions. Um, and it's, mm -hmm. and that's kind of, and it, that, that can be okay if you recognize that that's what you're doing. Um, but I do think that at some point, whether it be in regards to art or in regards to life, wanting to come to a conclusion and not being able to, that's one thing. But when you get to a point where you're like, nothing means anything, there are no conclusions. It's like, that seems like exhausting to me and a, a surefire way to maybe become a serial killer um, where you start to feel like the, that yeah. uh, everything is relative yeah. and nothing matters. But, uh, but that's just me. No, I agree. It's like, it's somewhere in the middle, but I, I, that I think that is, is like a healthier balance. Like, it's good to have, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's good to have like those threshold or like revelatory or like epiphanies in life. But, um, you know, that also like, so, so you don't, if, if you were someone who's just so jaded that you just didn't have those or it didn't feel picked any direction or like your values picked any direction, that would probably be like an unhealthy way to be because then you're so like impressionable by everything that, you know, I don't know. Just like nothing sticking is not really like a fun to be if yeah, you want it's... life to stick to you a bit, but at the same time, like you don't want to be so stuck to life that you just, you're, you're just like the way you are and you're on it. You know, again, like maybe you're unable to appreciate like certain ideas because you're just like blocked off to them. 
Yeah. So to pick a game, I definitely don't like being blocked off to stuff. So yeah. I'm probably like trying to try not to try not to fall into thinking that everything is just like relatively valuable and that sort of thing. It's probably it's for the easier best. Yeah. For me to like see all the different angles of something and be like, yeah, they could all be true. But yeah, you know, yeah. At least at this point in my life, I guess. I don't know. I definitely would say that 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 the concept of truth is is a spectrum. Um, some people say no, there's true and untrue, and then some people say there's it's nothing but true, and then other people say there's no su- that uh, that there's no such thing as true at all. Uh, and I would say that like no, there's there's more true and more false, but there's a lot of room in between, and some things are uh, closer to true, some things are closer to absolutely false. But there's a lot of space in between, and I think that's where a lot of us get to, a little mixed up with things. Is uh, we look at somebody who is further along who philosophically is is a little bit further down this way on the spectrum and we mistake that for being all the way uh in that direction on the spectrum but uh, you weren't asking for that um but this is but this is fun i enjoy talking to uh i enjoy talking to to people who are frankly sort of at this place where where you guys are in your life you're in your mid-20s you just moved uh, back to new york you you know the world is your oyster uh and just kind of seeing like where where you are in your life, where you think you are in your life, or where you want to be, uh, and that sort of thing, and the role that that film and and art can play in both directly and indirectly, and consciously and unconsciously, in the way that you make decisions. It's something I'm I'm always fascinated with. And you know what? I even said younger. Frankly, I'm interested in that in people of all ages. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I remember I was my again uh, my my sainted mother. Uh, years ago she watched a movie and uh, it was about a very specific uh, political issue and to her credit she was you know she's older and uh, and she said like you know what i never thought of it that way i think maybe that movie was right and it's like hey good for you uh and that's the, that that's the power of movies is like it can create this yeah. sense of empathy so that you see something from a from a perspective that you never saw it before you know mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like time comes to mind this year, the movie that like actually made me think a lot about like prison and just like perturbed me about prison in general. And so that, yeah, some movies really do still have that impact on you. I think, you know, they might be like rare, but yeah, yeah, it does happen. It's, it's It's a great thing that 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 to know that that's like still something that is happening to you, like movie can make an impression on you. Mm hmm wonderful thing yeah i think that i think watching like a a a heavy variety of movies about like different types of people is like very healthy for for like your empathy kind of oh yeah like like watching a movie like the florida project like you know like whether it's it's like you know sort of delving into like a a a young person's point of view or just like you know being like oh I, I don't I don't know people who like live in motels who are just like kind of wrecks who have kids too young and aren't able to take care of them. Like <laughs> seeing I don't know, like I feel like movies or maybe I don't know if this is who I am or if this is movies shaping me, but like I I'll I'll look at people as like I don't know, I, I, I usually try to imagine that like every anybody is like this movie character where like if I knew them well enough or there was a movie about them, I would end up empathizing with them like Oh yeah. So yeah, or like you'd think yeah. the movie's cool, even though you wouldn't associate with them in real life. Like yeah. the mother in the Florida Project, like probably wouldn't get along with her, but you can make sure. a great ass movie about her, and they did. 
That's one of the things that gets me about Raging Bull is that's one where I can absolutely appreciate the craft on every level. But I've watched the movie twice. And I think and it's just like, guys, I think I'm good. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't need to watch this again. This was exhausting for me. And I don't like spending time with this man, uh, which I understand is, is part of the part of the point. But uh, but yeah, there yeah. are some people who who are who are able to sort of cut themselves off uh, emotionally and be and they're able to just appreciate the kind of pain this man is in that he creates so much pain for other people for myself i get so i, I allow myself to get too invested and i feel like he's hurting me and so just like i can't uh, i can't do that so i saw it I gave it another chance. It's not a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination. It's maybe a masterpiece. Yeah, that makes but it. It's not my movie. thing. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's uh, tough stuff, but uh, anyway, uh, well, this okay. So we uh, we've been going for a while here, so I'll go ahead and, and leave it there. But uh, obviously, you guys are welcome to come back anytime. Uh, it would be uh, it'd be a ton of fun. But I think uh, come back um, tomorrow if you don't mind. Well, it's I'll say. You know what? I should have specified when we are doing a show. Cause we don't record uh, every day yeah. when we're doing a show. You know what? You've got the, you've got the zoom link. Just, just jump in and just awesome. see what happens. It's no matter who's the guest. Yeah. You could come in uh, during my class tomorrow. Cause this is my official uh, teaching zoom link. You could come into my <laughs> class tomorrow and listen to high school freshmen talk about the movie Philadelphia. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's not going to be great. Like your, your biggest guest yet. You've got Denzel Washington. He's agreed to be on the podcast and then, the Oscar expert and brother Brown jump in and we're like, Denzel. And then Den Denzel says, wait a minute, is this the Oscar expert? Man, oh man, I can't, that's a callback. I would die, I would die if that happened. Yeah, I'd be like, I saw you guys had me uh, pretty high up for Macbeth. That's really appreciated. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, as a function of the podcast, it's happened once or twice where someone that I, that I seek out, not a, not a big celebrity by any stretch of the imagination, but someone that I seek out, uh, has heard of the show and likes the show. And it's like, Oh, mm. this is what, this is crazy. Like it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's a, it's a rare thing. And I'm sure it will, uh, it has, has it happened with you guys yet. Like you guys have a, a significant uh, following on YouTube. Like, uh, uh, has anyone ever reached out and said, Hey, I'm a popular actor. They probably wouldn't phrase it that way. But, uh, has anyone said, I love what you're doing and I think you have great insight and humor. Well, just other Oscar people, like on Twitter, I mean, Matt Neglia, sure. like we, I mean, we admired Matt Neglia and it seemed like he also was kind of an admirer um, at the same time. And yeah, that's usually when we th that's the kind of collab thing. with people is but like when we know that they know who we are. Yeah. And it's like, oh, exactly. you know, who, uh, you know, although yeah. Stephen Garza, the, the main subject of Boys State. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, that's followed both of us and said, like, I appreciate that you guys are like talking about the movie and like. You know, yeah, the, that, that was cool. Yeah, the kid from the main kid from Boy State, who I admire from the movie, like as a person, I I love his like, you know, who he who they portray him as in the movie. Like, I think that like that person seems like really cool, and he reached out, he like reached out and saying that we, you know, he appreciated that we were tweeting about, or not, well, yeah, tweeting and talking about Boy State and stuff, and I was yeah. like damn and okay so he was like oh yeah and then i started watching your channel and, and i you know i like your channel yeah i, I think like, he, he letterbox seems like he might have gotten a little bit into movies speaking of getting into movies just from just from like the it was because i it was all kind of about State. State, and then he liked yeah. it and then oh, he yeah. probably started thought yeah it was cool so yeah it's not too much bad. but every i guess every now and then it can be fun when you can <laughs> you connect with someone about like a movie that they're a part of uh years years ago i was uh, at a film festival and ernie hudson was there 
and I've I've been a, a, a fan of Congo for quite a while. Uh, I I'm not there aren't many of us, but I'm one of them. And so I was like, I'm going to go talk to Ernie Hudson first about Oz and then Congo. So I was saying, I said, hey, Mr. Hudson, uh, just letting you know, I'm a big fan of, of Oz. He goes, oh, yeah, that was a good time. I was like, and incidentally, I'm also a big fan of Congo. And he lit up. <laughs> it was, it's like he was asleep and woke up and suddenly he couldn't <laughs> stop talking to me uh, about Congo and how much he loved it and how, and how nobody gets it. And I was just like, I was not anticipating this response but i'm glad that i pushed that button i guess because uh, this is a side of ernie hudson i hadn't seen before um hmm. but what is uh, congo? i've never heard of that oh congo is where you are the endangered species that's the tagline um so congo <laughs> okay this is oh my gosh this is exciting for me but also here's the problem everything i say about it is just going to set you up for disappointment because like i said very few people like it but me um uh, but that's okay. like intriguing it came out in 1995, I want to say, maybe 96. I don't remember exactly. It's it's based on a novel by Michael Crichton. So, of course, Jurassic Park came, comes out in 93. So Crichton's novels and he had directed movies, he had written movies. So he was heavily involved in Hollywood. But wow. uh, but after Jurassic Park, Hollywood was like, OK, what other novels of his do we have? And so you had Sphere in 90 in 97 and then you had Congo in 95. And everything about Congo was uh was talking about it was like from the from the creator of jurassic park so everybody had an idea of what it was going to be which is like this thriller sci-fi action kind of thing uh what it is actually is like an old school 1930s safari movie and it's directed by frank marshall who produced the indiana jones movies and when you keep that in mind you totally understand what it is like yes there are killer apes in the movie but they're a very small part of it uh characters like uh they 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 involve they get involved in like ancient ruins they get attacked by a tribe uh, uh they're going down a river and a hip and a hippopotamus like attacks them uh at one point a volcano erupts and they have to get away in a hot air balloon like everything about it is like old timey <laughs> in that sense and it's a and it's delightfully over the top in some ways tim curry plays a, a wonderful character uh in a in an uh, an over exaggerated uh, romanian accent and so yeah congo is a movie that like some critics really liked it or sorry some kid some critics liked it and kind of got what it was trying to do others didn't really care for the cheesy the the purposely cheesy quality to it and then audiences were like well this isn't like jurassic park and thus it sucks and i myself didn't love it at the time but as time has gone on and i realized what it was that it was trying to be a throwback uh which i think it's very effective in that way so yeah so Feel free to check out Congo, but recognize that there's a good chance you won't like it because most people don't. <laughs> yeah, it has a 22 on Metacritic, which is very low. It is very like low. Yes. It does seem like, side. yeah, like it, it does seem to have its fans. And, you know, what I always like to do is if I look at Metacritic and it's really low, I'm like, I wonder if Roger Ebert is like randomly liked it. Of and course. Guess what? Guess what? He randomly liked it. He actually gave it a three out of four star rating. So it could be Congo. It could be Anaconda. It could be Cop and a Half. Every once in a while, there'll be just a just a movie that everyone hates. But Ebert really, he's got it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I feel that it. way about movies too a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely. We all have our we all have our thing. I was thinking the other day about the movie Clifford. I don't know if you're familiar with Clifford, not the Big Red Dog, but uh, the one in which Martin Short plays a ten year old boy. 
No, don't know that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that one I will recommend. It's it's got a it's a oh comedy. God, it's got a it's got a very specific sense of humor that is because I was I was reflecting on it. it's like for a comedy this is a very dark and very cynical movie uh but uh but it's live it's got charles groden it's got dabney okay, coleman and do it from the yeah. uh, poster oh yeah it's, you should check it out like, everyone should check out uh clifford one way or the other i'm, I'm check interested it out. in this one I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll admit that yeah all right well uh yeah make it a double feature of clifford and congo <laughs> and uh and then get back to me <laughs> but a double feature in the, yeah, these are the two movies I want you to associate with me more so than anything else. Um, but yeah, so uh, so listeners, uh, thank you for tuning in. And uh, just a reminder that our book, Battleship Pretension, presents the 101 best movies of the 2010s, uh, is available at battleshippretension.com for $14.99 plus shipping. At the moment, only shipping in the United States, but we are looking for a print-on-demand option. And we were very close until I hit a snag that I'm trying to work out. So sorry about that. Uh, in the meantime, uh, guys, where can people find you and your work online? Well, they can find us at the Oscar expert on YouTube, the YouTube channel. We're also on Twitter at I think expert underscore Oscar. And he's with brother bro. Um, we also have Letterboxd, basically okay. the same handles for that one. Um, but mo we're not, I'm not too good at boxing Letterboxd. Sure. But I've, I'm, yeah. YouTube is the main thing. All right. And yes, and I do recommend, uh, I, I recommend everybody uh, check them out. It's, it's a lot of fun uh, watching their heightened reactions to Oscar snubs. And, and, uh, and admittedly, there are times when, when your, uh, your reaction mirrors mine as, as I'm watching the awards <laughs> itself. Like, it's like, what, why is best picture right now? What's going on here? Like I had, I had gone into the other room to, to get something to eat. And when I came back and they were doing picture, I was like, did I lose track of time when I was in the kitchen? Like what's going on? And then, <laughs> then you discover what, and then it's like, oh, okay. I see what was happening. And, uh, and your, your uh, level, your exaggerated level of confusion and frustration. Uh, I was like, oh, this is actually kind of cathartic. I appreciate that. But, yeah, you uh, can count little... on us. You can count <laughs> on us noticing everything wrong that goes on. Absolutely. Everything. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so uh, so thank you again for being on the show. I do uh, really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for listening at home and we'll get you next time. Bye.